Do you love early intervention, but feel like you need more mentorship and information to thrive in this setting? We're here to provide a safe, inclusive community where we learn from and uplift one another. It's our mission to prepare students and practitioners to be confident and competent working in early intervention. Hi, I'm Amira Johnson. I'm Danielle DiLorenzo. And I'm Sarah Putt. And together, we're the real OTs of early intervention. We have been getting a lot of questions about treatment ideas. It seems to be the hottest topic. So today we are going to talk about the treatment mindset. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by OT for Life. If you love connecting with other occupational therapy practitioners and getting inspired by all the amazingness that our profession has to offer, head on over to otforlife.com. That's OT, the number four, L-Y-F-E dot com for more resources. And while you're there, take a listen to the OT for Life podcast. It doesn't matter what setting you are in as a therapist, treatment ideas, and wanting to have A bag of tricks always available to do during sessions is just something that all therapists can relate to. You go to school, you learn all about how to be an occupational therapist, and then you begin doing your treatment planning for your own clients. And when you're preparing these treatment sessions, the first thing you do is search on Pinterest, occupational therapy activities, and thousands and thousands and thousands of ideas will pop up. In itself, the process is very overwhelming. And I think what often happens is we get so stuck on having the perfect treatment session that we forget that there's very little that you actually need to have a meaningful and occupation-based intervention session. So Sarah, what are your thoughts about treatment activities and planning? I appreciate this question so much, and I agree with what you said, Danielle, that I feel like it is a constant quest for practitioners to find the perfect treatment activity. And I think, especially when we're talking about early intervention treatments, we really have to think outside the box a little bit more and think less about the actual activity and more about the mindset behind the activity. And how that mindset guides what activities we actually pick. I think I'm going to be honest and transparent here, but I think a lot of times in other pediatric settings and maybe even adult settings and that that kind of thing, people want to have like super sexy treatment activity and they want to have all the bells and whistles. They want to be working on 20 different things and everything. And it really isn't about that. In early intervention, our treatments are not sexy. They are basic. They're simple. They're straightforward. They're client focused. Sometimes we're walking in and we don't even know what we're going to be doing that day, but we have the mindset to guide us to utilize what our goals are with that child, with that family, and then use that mindset to come up with what activities and what treatments we want to be doing that day. So for me, it's less about the specific activity and really more about the mindset piece. What do you think, Amira? What are your thoughts on the whole mindset versus treatment activities? I think in order to fully understand and appreciate the treatment mindset, you have to acknowledge how early intervention is a different setting, right? So it looks very different than a clinic, than outpatient. And it's something that because I jumped into early intervention as a new grad with really no prior experience, I didn't understand that difference. So when I first was hired, 
Danielle, you're exactly right. I went to Pinterest and I typed in early intervention OT activities and literally hundreds popped up. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm never going to run out of ideas. And one of the very first few sessions, I brought in like popsicle sticks and a seasoning container and the kid had no interest, you know, fine motor concerns was what we were supposed to be working on. But I needed to think more about the functionality and what was important to the parents. What did they want their child to be able to do? Because it wasn't to put a popsicle stick inside of a container. And so I think instead shifting that mindset around what is early intervention? What are we here for? It's very practical. And I think, Sarah, you're right. A lot of the treatment sessions don't look like treatment because they're very simple. So the treatment sessions don't always look like treatment, but that's exactly what it is. And our therapist wheels are constantly turning and we're constantly thinking about what can I do in this moment to make this more therapeutic and to work on those outcomes. I love everything that the both of you just expressed because I think as we talked about in an earlier podcast episode, all we do is play all day. There is this notion that we don't look like we're doing therapy. And I think it is so important to understand that when you're in early intervention, you're living, your therapy is jumping in for X amount of hours, X time a week, and you are stepping in to whatever the family needs you to support them with and what the child needs to be doing in that moment. So like you said, Amira, that kid you were working with had no interest in putting popsicle sticks into a container, but you do want to work on fine motor. Well, let's say that you walk in and the family's cooking. Okay, well, let's turn this into a fine motor activity. There's many things that you can do with the exact routine that the family is engaging in in the moment of time during your session. Now, There are going to be some families that expect you to just come in and work with their kid for X amount of time, but your goal is to include family involvement in every session. So instead of focusing on the materials in preparation for treatment planning, what you really can focus your attention on is how can I incorporate family and child together during the family routine while working on fine motor skills. And that is not going to look pretty. It's not going to look sexy. You're not going to have all these things to show off as to, we did this, this, and this. It's going to be as simple as, well, as mom was cutting up vegetables, we were working on safety preparation. And then we were encouraging a pincer grass to pick up the little pieces of vegetables and throw it in the pot for cooking. So again, what are we doing? We're doing the same thing, the same movement, motion, the same fine motor activities, but we're just stepping in and showing the family You don't have to have all the bells and whistles. You have everything you need within your daily routine. And that's going to look different from kiddo to kiddo. One of my favorite things to do to kind of prepare myself and to really start to kind of get the wheels turning of like, how do I think on the fly? How do I think in the the heat of the moment? How do I come up with activities and, and how do I adjust it based on what the family has and based on what the family is doing? So one of the things that I love to do is when I am not seeing a client and I happen to be walking around my house, I will pick up an object and then think about 
what could I do with this object? How can I grade it up for an older kiddo that might have more refined skills? And how can I grade it down for a kiddo that might be younger or a kiddo that hasn't developed those skills yet? So I'm constantly like walking around my house and picking up a ball and a cup, or I'm picking up a spoon and a yogurt container or something like that. And I am challenging my brain to come up with as many different things that I could potentially do. So then when I am working with a family and they're like, well, the kiddo only wants to use a ball and a cup today. I'm like, I got it. I got a ton of different things. Let's start with this. If this doesn't work, I can grade it up. I can grade it down. You know, if they start to get tired, you can start to grade it down. Like there's so many different things that you can do. But again, it goes back to that mindset piece. It's really not the objects, but it's learning how to adjust modify and pivot based on the objects that you have. So it does take a lot of practice, but the more that you can look at different objects and come up with like, how could I work on fine motor with this? How can I work on gross motor with this? How can I embed some sensory play with this? And then all of a sudden you have this one activity, but you have a variety of different things that you can be doing with it. So it takes practice, but it really does help you be able to come up with things on the fly when you are with your families and they give you kind of a random object and they just kind of throw it at you and you're like, all right, what am I going to do? I'm ready. I got this. I think something else that we can consider too is what is the routine during that time that you're having the session? So perfect example. I had a session this morning with a little one and they're fairly new to my caseload And so I'm still trying to get to know them, build that rapport. And it's so much harder, of course, because we're still virtual. And so I was like, okay, you know, they have a book out in front of them. Let's focus on turning some pages. We can work on some pointing. The the goals are just related to kind of general play skills, following directions, a little bit of strengthening in there and some communication. So kind of just overall child development. And so the child was not really interested in looking at the book, even though I had heard the parents say before that they do like to look at books. And I said, what do you normally do during this time of day? Because it was kind of in the morning. And the parent said, well, usually we're working on kind of cleaning up around the house and we don't read books until later. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't even think to ask, like, what do you normally do right now? Because the child was not interested in that book. So instead I said, well, can you just kind of make a mess on the floor and then we'll work on cleaning up because that's what the child was used to. And in there, I was able to kind of guide parent on how to strategically position some items, how to request more, how to reach up really high. So we were able to work on all of our different skills and do doing something that was very familiar to to the child. And the parent was so appreciative and was like, I didn't even think about all of the different ways I could just set up this simple household activity of cleaning up that we do every morning. And so I think that's an important part to consider too, is not only the objects, but the routine and the time of day that you're normally seeing that child, what are they usually doing and how can you make that more therapeutic? But I will say, Sarah, you're right. It takes practice. It takes skill. It takes time and just experience because A year and a half ago, Amira would have been stuck with the child not wanting to read the book. So I think, you know, and I just want to emphasize, especially to new grads or new to this setting, give yourself grace and know that those skills will come. And also that's why you have us. (laughs) (laughs) I think another, an ongoing theme that I keep hearing as we're having this ongoing discussion is it really is more about mindset than having the treatment ideas. Because again, 
you are there to provide the family with strategies to incorporate into their daily routines and how the flow of their day is. And when there's interruptions to that, how they can be successful in being able to do the things that you're teaching the families in that moment of time. So one really quick, easy way to come up with treatment planning, especially on the fly, is kind of exactly what you were just talking about, Amira. So think about in terms of in this moment, if I'm going to work on this, what can I have ready for me in the environment when I'm already knowing about these predictable routines and then setting up variety of scenarios as way to play it out. So I think it's important to shift the focus away from objects and towards scenarios and role-playing. And I think people in adults, working with adults can appreciate this because it's always when, especially in home health, you're preparing the client to go home and be able to use all their equipment and use all of these adaptions that they have. But if you don't train them with the equipment that they have, and then they go home, how are they going to know how to use that same equipment? So a lot of the times, I think that's when we talk about using the natural environment, the bagless treatment, less is more. This is where we are walking into each family's home. So again, it's important to take inventory of what is in each family's home. What would you have access to? Because you can use what's in their home to set up a variety of play experiences and different scenarios, just like Amira was talking about, that's going to really help the family in the moment, that role-playing scenario where you have that ability to ask questions during the session. Because remember, just because the goal might be fine motor, it doesn't mean that it has to just be about fine motor. It has to be about having the family feel confident and competent in implementing intervention strategies, these treatment plans, these great ideas. They have to be able to feel successful doing it at home. That's why we as the therapists have to be able to shift our mindset into saying, how can we make this as easy as possible for the parents and the child? and stay within their natural routine and environment. So in talking about the scenarios and really kind of getting away from like the actual objects, I think this this just ties right into it. And I had this happen once with a family where they had these like stacking cups and I was I was working with the family and they were like, yeah, we can just stack the cups. This is great. And I'm like, what else can we do with it? And they're like, we can stack the cups. And I'm like, there's so much more that we could do. So we as practitioners also have to understand that our families, they're going to know how each object is intended to be used, but we need to expand on that. And we need to show them that even though we're using stacking cups, we can utilize them in so many different ways to address not just fine motor, not just gross motor, crossing midline. We can get movement in there. And sharing with them that like there are board games, there are toys, and there are ways that quote unquote, they're supposed to be played with, but you can take those and set up all these other kind of different scenarios to address different things within the treatment sessions and really expand on that play routine. So maybe one day you're doing it one way, but then the next time you're using the same material, but you're doing something completely different or maybe just a shade different on like the next treatment session and stuff like that. So also understanding that our families might think we need to be doing it this set way and we can go in and be like, 
let me just show you there's so many other things that we can do and really expand the caregiver's play as well as the kid's play too. So I love thinking about it with the mindset and the scenarios and less about the actual objects and how they're intended to be utilized. I love that we're talking about the mindset of treatment and When we think about treatment planning too, especially in other settings, it's a lot more straightforward because a lot of the times you know what materials you're going to be working with, but especially in EI, this is difficult because you don't always know what you'll have access to in each home. So I think just making sure that we understand kind of the two areas that we're looking at is yes, this mindset needs to be shifted, but also you just never know what you're going to have to use. But I think that if we think about some of the items that we found, you know, in many of our families' homes, just things that a lot of people just use day to day, different things like empty paper towel rolls or toilet paper rolls, tubaware, empty seasoning containers, towels, pillows. These are all very simple household items that I have found. So while I don't still rely on my perfect Pinterest board, what I do is have a list of household items and I can kind of think my way through how would I use this? Very similar, Sarah, to what you're saying when you pick up the spoon and the yogurt cup. It's just to have an idea of how can I use things that I find throughout everyday homes. Other really good ones too are spray bottles. I've used a lot of different spray bottles and cleaning those out, you know, if if they had any chemicals in them or anything like that. But I think there's a lot of items that you can use household-wise. So if you do want to have an idea of what types of objects should I prepare myself to have some type of plan around, think about just what you use every day in the home. So when we talk about the treatment mindset, another part of that treatment mindset is being able to show families how to expand on what they do have and some of those common household items to work towards goals and outcomes. Today, we really wanted to focus on a treatment mindset while also being able to provide you with some tips and tricks for some activities and common household items that you might find during your early intervention treatment sessions. I think what is so important is that if you are feeling stuck in the area of treatment planning, just always go back to the basics for early intervention that is focusing on the family's routines, focusing on the time of your visit and embedding those routines within to your sessions and being able to create intervention strategies that the families can be able to implement on a day-to-day basis when you are not around. We would love to hear from you. What are some of the ways that you incorporate a family's routine into treatment planning? You can reach out to us at therealots.com or on Instagram at therealots.ei. We're so excited you joined us today. Check out our website, therealots.com, for more information about anything discussed in the episode. And sign up for our email list so you don't miss out on any of our awesome EI resources. And join our amazing community of students and practitioners to get your questions answered and learn from others working in early intervention. Whether you're in the car, on your lunch break, or signing in to your next virtual session, thanks for keeping it real with the real OTs of early intervention. 